Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This week on TheRinger.com, our staff is ranking the 100 best moments in culture so far in 2019. This includes everything that happened in film, TV, celebrity news, memedom, and more. Cracking the top 100 so far are J-Lo and A-Rod's engagement, the rise of Lizzo, and the Cliff Wife phenomenon. Also, be sure to listen and subscribe to Ringer Dish, our new celebrity podcast, and catch the latest episode covering their favorite moments from this year in pop culture. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is John Gonzalez. Before we get into today's heat check, a quick disclaimer. You're going to hear a lot of conversation about Goran Dragic being included and shipped from Miami to Dallas. That was the information we had during the podcast. But as you might expect, during free agency, a lot of things change and shift. And as soon as we were done recording, there were reports that Goran Dragic had not been included in the deal and is still in Miami. Who knows? By the time you listen to this, he might be gone again. But just keep that in mind as you're listening. And we got all kinds of good stuff for you. So let's roll it. Welcome to a special emergency free agency heat check. (laughs) I'm your host, John Gonzalez. Isaac Lee is here. Chris Ryan is here. Kevin O'Connor is here. We're going to do a whole thing on the Knicks. Screw the Knicks. The Philadelphia 76ers come (laughs) off the top rope per usual to screw up everybody's uh, day, off-season, potentially season period. Looks like they are signing and trading Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat as expected for your contract, $142 million. And in exchange, they will get Josh Richardson back. And in the process, Chris Ryan, signing Al Horford to a four-year deal uh, worth a little over a hundred and worth right around $109 million, 97 of which according to Woj will be guaranteed $12 million in bonuses. Elton Brand has remade the Sixers again. Again. Okay. So every what 11 to six months, the Sixers completely reboot their franchise, yeah. but this feels right to me. This feels good. Okay. So let's just, let's assume they offered Jimmy the five, right? And they were like, hey, we traded for you. We want you to be here as the max. And Jimmy said, no, I want to go to Miami for whatever reasons. He saw a Dwayne Wade video that inspired him. And he thought, that's how I want to end my career, going on a victory lap where everybody hands me a jersey or a piece of wood from their like bathroom or whatever. <laughs> and let's do it that way. So he goes off. We got an amazing return for him. We didn't like he could have screwed us over and gone to the Lakers. He could have done anything. I don't want to say too much us, oh, we, but it's going to happen. No, do it. And... Now this team almost recalibrates itself to rather rather than having this push pull between is this a Joel Joel Embiid Ben Simmons axis with with like other co- complementary parts like Covington and Sarge and these other guys to well there's Joel and Ben but then there's these veteran superstars who are also here on the win now window this team feels right this team feels even Big Al Horford has destroyed the Sixers for more years than I can count. <laughs> Now we bring him into the fold. Yeah. Josh Richardson, dare I say, Love Josh Richardson. a younger, healthier Jimmy Butler clone? Yeah, I mean, Chuck's wrote about him earlier like, this season. Like, not everything he does, but really good two-way wing, right? Yeah, it's probably not as good a ball handler. Not but a headache. Right. Not a headache. Not a headache. Really good defender. 25 years old. And here's the other thing. On Better just like shooter. A, yeah. Better shooter. And on just an absolute sweetheart contract where they have him under control through 2022 for a maximum in that final year of $11.6 million, allows them to do a lot of other a things. A lot of other things. And then you have Tobias in the natural, like, small forward. He, he is now, like— 
the number one perimeter scoring option for this team pretty much. And then, yeah, there's going to always be questions about Ben Simmons' shot and Joel Embiid's health. But to me, this feels like, and I wanted Jimmy Butler back, but if this is the alternative, I love the alternative. I, I don't mind if we win every game 82-78. This team is enormous. This team is really funky and interesting now. I'm really, really excited for this Sixers long team. Long ball. Yeah, it's man. long ball. Like, this is a massive starring lineup. When you, when you consider, like, how many teams are built to actually defend a team this big with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Al Horford, three guys who are large but also have a lot of skill with their passing ability or their scoring ability, never mind the large backcourt that they have with Richardson and Harris. With this roster, you can play so many different oh, styles. Yeah. You can shrink down and play with a more traditional lineup, or you can have this jumbo lineup. And then off the bench, I mean, we'll see who they add with minimum contracts and, and whatever else. But Matisse Thibel, maybe as a rookie, he can contribute on the defensive end. Zaire Smith, another rookie. Hopefully his jump shot develops. But they have some younger pieces to complement their five core players. Um, but obviously, like, with this team, it's like you said, Chris, there's two different sides. There's the young guys with Ben and Joel still, but now you have some proven veterans and a guy like Josh Richardson who especially I think is a – He's not better than Jimmy Butler, but he's a better fit than Jimmy Butler yeah. because he's a better off-ball shooter, a better guy who's not going to like demand the ball and ha- to have it in his hands, somebody who's a better defender than Jimmy Butler at this point in his career. So the Sixers entered this offseason with so many questions with Harris and with Jimmy Butler, and they're, they're, as of now, they're in better shape than they were before. Yeah, Josh Harris, or Josh Harris, Josh Richardson <laughs> is the—we'll get to Josh Harris in a second. Jo- Josh Richardson is uh, the part of this that I might like the best. Tobias Harris— you know, five years at almost the full max, 9.9 million shy of the full max. They didn't get a huge discount there. Uh, They had to give him that extra year in order to keep him. It felt like they were always going to have to do this. Like when I had talked to people when the trade happened, when they acquired him from the Clippers, uh, it felt like an overpay, which immediately people around the league were like, oh, well, when they go into the offseason now, he's going to have to probably be priority number one, even potentially over Jimmy Butler. And it seems like like that's kind of how it shook out for the Sixers side. And then maybe, maybe Jimmy just wanted to go. He wanted to go to Miami. That's fine. But I really like the Josh Richardson component. I'm less crazy about uh, the number of years and the money you had to do with Tobias, but at least he fits on the timeline. How do, how do we feel about the starting Here's five? Here's the like, thing you just what, said, timeline. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. with well, this team, like, uh, granted, look, like the starting five and everybody was like, look, when the starting five is healthy and playing together and it's clicking, it's just as good as Golden State. And this this dream of running it back, which I was completely fine with if that's what was going to happen. It's not my money. I like all those players. But the thing you're talking about is timeline. That second half of the of last season, it felt like there was a, a clock ticking in the background like a Christopher Nolan trailer because we knew that this day was coming where there <laughs> yeah. was going to be this reckoning with Harris and Butler and there was going to be, there was this tension around the team because of that. And I just feel like there's a way more of a harmony Outside of like, I don't know anything about these guys' personalities, really. But there is a harmony to the way the team is set up and the order to the team. Like Horford is not is a, is like an incredible locker room presence, but he's not going to demand touches. You talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. He has an impact on a team that's not seen in counting stabs. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's going to have a really, really, really <laughs> good knock-on effect for Ben Simmons, who they were talking, like, one of the first stories that came out today was that they were working on extension with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, all right, so, yeah, Simmons is 22, Embiid is 25, Richardson is 25, Toby's 26, uh, but you mentioned the, so all of these and work Al out. Is the, is the Al is thirty three years the old. And this is a, like, it I, like I know you said it that does, to me the earlier today. The time is today. now, Gons. The time is now. <laughs> Embiid is twenty five, going on thirty five at times. 
He walks around and lumbers around like he's always hurt. So for Joel Embiid, right now is the time to go for a championship. These next couple of years when you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons hopefully entering the primes of their careers, having a guy like Tobias Harris, who's an unselfish off-ball player, having a guy like Josh Richardson, who is, again, an unselfish off-ball player who can also do some stuff on ball, having Al Horford, who it's going to be hilarious seeing Sixers fans make an all-star case for Al Horford now <laughs> after years with, with right. memes about how, like, oh, he set six screens per game. You should get permanently <laughs> unbanned from every podcast because of that, because you were right. Right, the first time around. Shout uh, look, out to I like, about bands. Shout out to Spike Eskin for calling up with Jimmy Butler. I, I like Al Horford a lot. I think he's going to do a lot of things. You can play him with uh, Embiid. You can stagger them. Obviously, you know the the whole load management thing became a problem for yeah. them. They they sort of reversed it last season where they played him a ton at the beginning of the season and then <laughs> and set him at the end instead of getting him ready for the postseason by sitting him earlier. But now you don't. You're not going to have to worry about that situation that they got into in it, like w- what we saw with the Toronto Raptors series where they're trying to squeeze two and a half minutes out of Greg Monroe. Well, now you've got Al Horford. All of that is to the good. I was talking with with our buddy Mike Levin earlier today mm-hmm. about this and he kind of like we were talking about the possibility of Butler going to Miami what could come back what the Sixers would do if they got Horford and he even said and I'm sure he'll say it on the right Cirque Sanchez he'll, he was like this feels very Toronto-y it's like they just saw the Gasol Abaca and uh, you know and th- that kind of huge depth in the front court that they had mm-hmm. and the way that that defense impacted the finals and the playoffs, <clears throat> it just feels like that is a little bit behind their thinking here. Let, let's go through, alright, so so it would be Simmons and Tobias Harris and Embiid and Josh Richardson for sure in the starting five. Would you also start Al? I mean, we don't know what the rest of the roster is going to look like, but are you going to sure. start the two bigs Why at not? the same time? Yeah, You're care. okay with that. Alright, I, I don't want, because I do like, I, I thought that this Small was going to be a very, <laughs> this offseason was going to be like a high degree of difficulty for Elton Brand, right? And we have that front office that uh, post, you know, pulling out Brian Colangelo and inserting Elton Brand and like Brian Colangelo's leftover lieutenants have a say and ownership has a say. And we know that the business side of the operation was with Scott O'Neill has had an increasing say since, since Sam Hinkie left. And all these cooks are in the kitchen, right? So that was complicating matters as well. So I think on the whole, I like the way that this shook out. It could definitely be worse. However... I want to play devil's advocate here. Who's shooting the ball again? Because they lose JJ, and there were times frequently last season and in the postseason, and this is why I didn't want them to give up Landry Shamit, where you know they really needed a bucket, they needed a score, they needed somebody to come off one of those screens or you know the dribble handoff that they frequently ran with JJ and, and Embiid, where they just needed some scoring and. Shooter-wise, they're definitely thin now. I don't, have an, I don't have an answer. It's going to have to be like a paradigm shift. They will have to win basketball games in a different way than the kind of w- the way that we've seen over the last few seasons, right? That the, we, the dominant NBA paradigm of space and pace and shooting from all, all corners, it's just not going to be the Sixers' recipe to win. So if they're going to win, it's going to be because you cannot score on them. They run you off the line with these enormous good defenders, and they can switch a lot. Shooting. I, th- I think like the shooting is not great, but it's not horrific by any means. Tobias Harris didn't shoot the ball well last year with the Sixers, but still over the course of his career, he's a near 40% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Josh Richardson, a near catch-and-shoot, a 40% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Al Horford, a very good shooter for a big man. So then you have Joel Embiid, who's an average shooter. Ben Simmons, who is a non-shooter, who shoots with the wrong hand. So it's like this team... They don't have a lot of great shooting, 
But like you said, they're going to have a different look, but they still have like, some good enough shooters on their team to create spacing for what this roster might look like with some funky... I mean, one of the things the Sixers did last year and a couple of other teams did too is they ran like side pick and rolls like on the baseline, mm-hmm. like 10 feet away from the rim. I wonder if we'll see some more of that from Philadelphia. We saw that from the Bucks last year. We saw it from Philly. Some more like weird, funky side pick and rolls near the rim where you're capitalizing on your side um, and maybe forcing teams to play big, playing forcing teams to play jumbo. Let me ask you a question, though, because this is one thing. I, I the, the one note of caution, and for what it's worth, uh, apparently Woj just said on the jump that the Sixers did not want to extend Jimmy and were ready to move on a while ago. That's interesting. I so mean, that, I haven't that, seen that, that reported that anywhere. That could be like the same way that the Knicks are having to do a lot of crisis management right now. That could be Jimmy going to the Sixers and saying, I'm not even interested. And they're like, well, we've been ready to move on. There were rumblings during the season that Butler wanted out. Remember the time yeah, when he complained yes. about his role in yes. the offense? I think you and I might have talked about this. There were rumblings that he wanted out during the season. Mm-hmm. So if you're Philadelphia, it's like, look, we've had you for six weeks. Like, you already want out? You already, you know, and who knows how true that actually is. But in late December, around the time he complained about the offensive role, there was a chance that either Elton Brand or the Sixers, uh, factions of the Sixers front office was like, maybe we should flip them. Maybe we should. They didn't. And but now you know they essentially have for Horford and Richardson, which is a net win for Philadelphia. I mean, I, the thing I was just going to bring up was that I do feel for Brett Brown because now this is like the fifth offensive system he's going to have to draw up in three years or something like that. You know he, what I mean? Like he's, this is going to require a different way of thinking about the team than it's not it was. A bad thing, though. sure. I, I think I think last year with Jimmy Butler, like they evolved a little bit. They didn't run enough pick and roll, I don't think, until the postseason started. But now Brett Brown is forced to totally, you know, maybe not overhaul the system but make some massive tweaks. Like, he's going to get, you know, creative here with this roster. Like, yeah. like we haven't seen a team this big in quite a while yeah. in the NBA. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of a team this decade that's been this big. Can, can oh, you guys? I want to see what the uh, rest Just of the- like the magic? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> uh, I want to see what the rest of the salary cap filler is to make that deal go down. Uh, the reports here that... Uh, Goran Dragic to the Mavs as part of making cap space yeah. work on the Butler deal. The yeah. Butler, yeah. So they so have to they have to make a little bit of room there, um, which is fine. You know, good for the Mavs. So it gives uh, Mavs. it gives uh, Doncic a buddy to hang out with. Right. They they can uh, they can go. Who, and, who reported and, that? Out of curious. Uh, it just popped up on my timeline. Okay. So it was probably just fake, complete fake Regar- news. From regardless, one of the boss John follows. <laughs> yeah, probably right. <laughs> exactly the salary right. cap boss. Boss. Regardless of who it is, whether right. it's Drogic or Dion Waiters or Kelly Olynyk, it doesn't sound like that player will be going to Philadelphia. It seems like they would be looking for a third player in the team, which makes sense because of Philadelphia's current right. cap situation right now. As it stands, they have about 118 million in total salary, and then they're going to have to pay Ben Simmons this coming summer unless they extend him ahead of time. But Philadelphia will be a tax team with this roster. Which is what we expect. They don't don't want to and can't take on additional salary because they're going to have to use the league minimum to sign other free agents to fill this roster They've got to fill out the roster. I I was curious about that, but I think Mm -hmm. on the whole, you know, turning Robert Covington and Dario into a Jimmy rental and then turning that into Josh Richardson and Al Horford space— 
could be worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, again, like, I had my doubts about this front office because we saw what happened in the draft where, you know, they decided to just toss away a bunch of picks. They signaled how much they wanted Matisse Thibel. Everybody in the league knew it. Everybody everywhere knew it. And then, and it started to worry me a little bit about, okay, well, everybody knows that they're going to have to probably throw an extra year or some more extra money at Tobias Harris. And I wondered if they would have to do that with Jimmy Butler as well. And I think on the whole, considering how many different moving parts that they had here, not a bad job by Elton yeah. Brand. I mean, I'm 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 obviously really ecstatic with this. For some reason, this like this feels like a more logical team to me. I don't know. I just immediately like the 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 reaction I had to like seeing the sticker was just like, yes, that's the Sixers. Well, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like you, you don't know the personality of all these guys. So we we can do our armchair psychologist sure. thing from the side and see that it was an imperfect fit personality-wise with Jimmy Butler being a ball dominant personality like he is a guy on the court off the court who wants to be somebody in control he's going to get to do that in Miami great for him great for that team but for Philadelphia there's just too many forces working against each other with Ben Simmons another guy who wants the ball in his hands Joel Embiid a guy more of a post player who warrants having the ball in his hands now the pieces just fit more naturally together with Al Horford Josh Richardson and then Tobias Harris guys who are more willing to play that off ball role coming off screens and handoffs never mind the fact that with their first-round draft pick, Matisse Thibel, like I know there's been a lot of people saying, like, why'd they draft a yeah, non-shooter? Yeah. But Thibel may have shot 31% as a senior at Washington, but over his four years there, he still shot around 35 or 36% from three, which is not great, but it's solid. And like he's an elite defender, a guy who's going to come in right away and have the ability to defend a high-character guy who can pass, who can play, make smart plays, who can defend multiple you positions. You had me at hello, KOC. So, you know, with Thibel, it's like maybe he's not an elite shooter, but what he is is a guy who's going to accept his role and maximize his role. And whatever level he reaches as a shooter, it will be a positive addition for that team. So, like, they are a deep team with star power and a lot of unselfish guys that will be, will be willing to accept their role around the ball dominant guys. And none of these guys, God bless Jimmy Butler, but none of them are going to be like, I want to be the point guard. It's it's on Ben now. Like we put the ball it's back in Ben Simmons' ben. hands, and I know that all these bad things come along with that, or at least there's all these question marks around his ability to close games, especially in the postseason. But we're gonna find out. It's we not are. gonna be like, oh, why don't you go play dunker? You know, why don't you go float around like while Jimmy dribbles at the top of the key and does pick and roll with Joel Embiid, which I thought was very effective and got between four bounces away from going to the conference finals and who knows where beyond that, but it didn't work. This is when I, I think that this is a win for the Sixers. Yeah. I think it's a win for Elton Brand. I think it works out. Uh, I, I wasn't sure that they'd be able to, to do all this juggling, uh, and they did. However, what you just said is interesting to me because when we when – we got to the playoffs. I'm saying we as the league. When we got to the playoffs and we saw the 76ers, the way that they changed their offense, it went from, hey, Ben Simmons is our point guard and this is the way we play to, oh, shit, yeah, we can't really play Ben Simmons mm-hmm. that way. We've got to have Jimmy Butler as as our like predominant. And Jimmy was like, I want to do that. And they needed him to. Yeah. And they needed him to. And I just wonder what happens now if you don't see well, an improvement from Ben well, Simmons here's, this offseason. Here's the thing. Josh Richardson is not a horrible pick-and-roll player. Like He's not Jimmy Butler. But he's a good passer within the pick and roll who also isn't somebody that feels the need to dominate the ball. So if you need a guy who's going to run pick and roll for you, Richardson can do it. Tobias Harris can do it. And those are guys who don't feel like they have to do it. So it just makes more sense from a chemistry perspective um, with this current fit. The question still is going to be, as you alluded to, Chris, how does Ben Simmons develop? Mm -hmm. Does his jump shot make any progress 
at all uh, going into the season? Does Joel Embiid, who's been a 30% three-point shooter throughout his entire career, improve Not as a shooter? Not for lack of trying. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. You know, he wants to. Like, I think he's really yeah. worked hard at it. So it's like, do the young guys, Embiid and Simmons, continue to make progress as they have? Ben got better last year over the course of the year. He played. He was nearly an all-NBA defender, in my opinion. He was a really um, good defensively. And, and like he continues making, you know, Subtle improvements as a passer, too. So it's like both these young guys keep getting better, and now they have just the right complementary pieces. Can we talk a little bit about Butler and Miami? Please, yeah. Because Um, it's such an interesting—you know, this happened—we had heard rumblings about this earlier in the day, but it's so interesting that this is, hope, 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 the last deal of the day. Right. Because (laughs) it's almost strange to think about Jimmy Butler looking at the East after the end of, of Sunday and being like, I'll go to Miami. Yeah, which I guess speaks to maybe how he perceives himself and what he wants. And a great place to live. B now it's Chicago again. Now it's Chicago Jimmy again. He's yeah. going to be the heart and soul of that team. It's the it's that, his team. That fan base is going to immediately rally around him as the new Dwayne Wade, as the new kind of like Good the four hundred five guy who is going to be like the like live or die Heat, right? Like, well, there were reports too that part of the reason that he, you know, and previously before he left Minnesota, there were rumblings that he wanted Miami and Miami wanted him, and they couldn't pull it off. And fine, but also uh, as free agency got underway, all of a sudden when Miami emerged as oh, Jimmy's going to take this meeting with Miami at as soon as the the free agency gun goes off, that part of the reason why was because he saw that the way that they treated Dwayne Wade on his way out the door and that he wanted that so too. Silly. And it's it does say a lot about Jimmy Butler and what Jimmy Butler prioritizes and values and like what he thinks about, you know, because it's hard for me to reconcile, oh, if I look at the Eastern Conference to your point, what's my best chance? It's I can't imagine that he did that same math and came out with, oh, Miami would be a better shot yeah. for me than staying put. Yeah. I can't. So he must have gone, this is what I prioritize. This is what I prefer. And I'm going to go be the and guy in Miami. He definitely seems like a guy who just believes that he is like the galvanizing force that can change the fortunes of a team, even though there's not the evidence to to say that's true or not is not exactly strong. Ha- Hassan Whiteside should just leave now. He should go <laughs> and hide someone. Fish. He should get his fish are screwed. <laughs> I, I like Jimmy Butler is going to eat him and his fish alive. There's nothing. There's no chance that Hassan Whiteside makes it out alive with Jimmy Butler in tow. For Butler, I don't really care about like what he values in terms of a team. For me, it's like with Miami. <laughs> with Miami, it's like. They have a guy who can draw another star yeah. here, and they're a year or two away from that. But in 2021, they will have yeah. the ability to create a max slot. And Jimmy Butler is a player that a lot of guys would probably love to play with because he's a star player. And at that point, like who knows what the league landscape will look like? Uh, it seems then like they have to get into a locker room with him, and he's playing like country music at 11 <laughs> and is like, eat shit when you're like, can yeah. you listen to my own music? <laughs> <laughs> but like, Butler's a good player, man. And so for Miami, it's like he's somebody that can draw another guy there. You, yeah. it's, the hardest thing to find is the first star. And Miami, Miami found their first star. So for them, like their books are going to be clear in 2021, aside from Winslow and Butler, and, and that's it. That's it, and like whoever young, whatever young players they sign or keep. How will Miami cope with the buying power of the New York Knicks in twenty twenty one? Multiple teams, by the way, or multiple teams, multiple reports confirming uh, the bot that informed me that Goran Dragic is out uh, and going to the Mavs. So that (laughs) part is done as well. Uh, You mentioned how will they contend with these other teams? Should we talk about New York too? Because we came into this podcast. That's a great. 
planning to discuss New York first, and then just as we were hitting go on this thing, Philadelphia, as Philadelphia is wont to do, uh, blew it all up. But there's a lot of news in New York today. Uh, some of it good, some of it not so good. Do we want the good team first or the, or the not so good team first? Let's do the not so good team. Let's get them out of the way. All right. So the Knicks, uh, Womp Womp, LOL Knicks, where they go and they trade Kristaps Porzingis uh, in order to clear max cap space. They Everybody thought that it was going to be KD and Kyrie, and now it is not. KD and Kyrie, it's Julius Randle for $63 million, and they're going to punt to 2021, and they even put out a statement. Yeah, uh, Steve Mills said uh, in a statement, while we understand that some Knicks fans could be disappointed with tonight's news, and he's right, uh, we continue to be upbeat and confident in our plans to rebuild the Knicks to compete for championships in the future through the draft, targeted free agents, and continuing to build around our core of young players. So, KOC, you like Steve Mills, you like what they were doing initially in, in in terms of, no, I mean, like, pre what happened today, you thought, okay, well, I get what they're trying to do here. Um, are you still on board? Are you, you're cool with punting to 2021 when they're, it's, I guess it's now we're just going to sit around and wait for the Knicks now to, to try to land Giannis just like they tried to land LeBron, <laughs> like they tried to land KD, like they tried to land Kyrie, like they tried to land basically everybody forever and still haven't pulled it's, it off. It's not just Giannis, though. It's Bradley Beal and Rudy Gobert and many, okay. many others in that class. But for the Knicks, like, I don't want to sound like Steve Mills' PR dude here, but it's not the end of the world that they didn't sign a guy who just ruptured his Achilles and a guy that just destroyed a locker room. It's just not. Like, for the Knicks, they can enter 2021 now with R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, whoever they take in 2020 with their first, whoever they take in 2021 with their first, and the Mavericks' first— and still retain the rights to Julius Randle and whoever else they, they sign the remainder of this summer. All, their guy, the, like, the, all the moves you know, they made today that people were laughing yes. at are all two-year deals. Exactly. The point is, is that they can enter 2021 with six rookies still in their contract, a number of talented guys, and the ability to create two max slots. And so for the Knicks, it's the type of thing where, yes, you mixed, missed out on KD, who ruptured his Achilles, and yes, you missed out on Kyrie Irving, who you know destroyed a locker room. But at least you still retain a really talented young core and flexibility moving forward. Like, isn't that what we talk about? What all these young rebuilding teams want? Flexibility, the ability to create cap space, to have a number of talented young players. That's what the Knicks have. So I understand like the Phil Jackson error was a disaster. I understand that James Dolan is a disaster of an owner, but Steve Mills has done a fine job so far. And as long as James Dolan doesn't screw it all up, as long as they don't try to accelerate on here on this rebuild and try to sign like DeMarcus Cousins to a four-year deal, if they keep doing these two-year deals or three-year deals with an option on the last year, they're in fine shape, man. Like they just are. Like it's undeniable. So I mean, it's they're in fine shape. <sighs> In the version of the NBA where you either want to be contending or rebuilding. And they are in a position right now where they're going to be bad. Because and for the next two years, yes. they're going to have high draft picks again with the ability to still retain max. And the max question spot. is basically the New York fan base are like generally like some of the most engaged and smart basketball fans like I've ever come across. I'm being completely sincere. Like yeah. my Knicks friends know as much, if not more, about basketball than any other f- team's fans that I know. Shout out to Noah from the Ringer. Chasing Concepcion. But Sean Fantasy. But <laughs> that's a lot of losing. And, yeah. and like saying we're gonna wait to 2021 for Giannis, while that would be an extraordinary story is just what you just told them to do for KD and Kyrie. Yeah, and before And Dolan that, went out and was just like, I'm told that we're going to be in a really good spot. Now, I don't know if if this story about about Dolan not offering the max is true 
or whether it's so, Rich so, Kleiman, who's like a, 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 a Knicks fan growing up or whatever, like putting out basically a countermeasure so that it doesn't seem like KD. It's not just screwed. Giannis, though. Well, hold like, on, it's hold just on. not. Hold on. So Ramona reported, uh, Ramona Shelburne reported that uh, Knicks owner Jim Dolan was not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over his recovery from the Achilles injury. And I don't know whether that's the Knicks s- saying that or whether that's somebody from KD's camp telling Ramona that to say, this is why it didn't happen for the None Knicks None of this is a good— I, I hear what you're saying in terms of, like, let's take a rational, long-view approach here. But something tells me that New Yorkers and Knicks fans will not be excited about taking another long view when they were already just taking a long view Maybe for they this, this offseason. And they had—like, part of the reason why you go and you acquire assets and you clear cap space and all this stuff is to get players that you think can be top-tier players, right? And they had one in Kristaps Porzingis, and it didn't work out, and they decided to clear the decks for this offseason. And to come up short, if— were I a Knicks fan or were I in that organization to the to the extent that Steve Mills felt obligated to put out what we could describe as an unusual statement. This is not something that the teams usually do. They yeah. don't usually go, ah, listen, I know you're kind of bummed out right now. They never do that shit. And he did that. And I think like, I get it. I get why he did because I think the reaction here is going to be, Sure, you could tell us to wait and hold tight, but you just told us to do that. Well, and, and you know, if for the Knicks, it's like they shouldn't care what the fans want. They should just didn't care. It doesn't matter. They should continue doing what they're doing because not- for 2021, it's not just Giannis. It's Paul George. It's Damian. It's it. It was Damian Lillard. Right. It's C.J. McCollum. That's what I meant. It's Drew Holiday, Rudy Gobert, Bradley Beal. But, it's a lot of guys that you. But have, dude, we've but seen. Are you? But are you confident in that? Yes, we've seen it. And are you confident in that? With James Dolan still at the top of the. I don't know. But what I am confident is with the young group of talent that they have, where at least you're assembling a talented young core. And over the next two years, you need to repair your image across the league. And oh, by the way, we just saw. The Lakers last year signing LeBron, and then this year, a team that was also a disaster with their ownership in their front office, signed the best player in the world and then bring one of the best young players in the league in Anthony Davis. With the Knicks, it's like, at that point, who are the other options for these players? New York could make themselves one of maybe the top destination okay. for the guys. So, so it's me, like, there's no guarantees. I got you. I, but I completely understand, but let me flip, it, flip mm-hmm. the thinking around on you. If it's not a big deal that they missed on Katie and Kyrie, is it a big deal that Brooklyn hit? It's a, it, I mean, it's not, like, a, it's not a big deal at New York. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. No, but I'm saying like basically it, like I mean, it, to, it, it, to, it to extend that idea forward, it's like, is it actually not that big of a deal that Brooklyn got a locker room cancer and a I guy mean, with one leg? I think it's a big deal for both. Okay. It would have been a big deal for the Knicks to yeah. sign because those guys, those guys are also, it's a guy who has a, a broken leg, but also is one of the best players in the world when healthy. Sure. Kyrie Irving is also a guy who is one of the best point guards of the decade. So it's like, yes, it's a big deal that they missed out on those guys, but it's not the end of the world that they didn't. I see. Because there's always other paths. It's not just Katie and Kyrie or nothing. It's Katie or Kyrie Kyrie or punting to 2021 or building with a young core organically like many other teams in history have done and remaining flexible. There's there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's not just A or B. I, that, that, that's what I mean with the Knicks. I like Kevin O'Bright's side, Kevin O'Glass half full. I appreciate this. I think it's – No, I, I, I get it, it, but I just – Is it half full though I here? think it's a better sell – for the Nets part of it than it is for the Knicks part of it. Uh, just like if I were a Knicks fan, I'd go, oh man, again, still. And like, if you were a Knicks fan, like, you'd be like, there's a stadium in Brooklyn? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Uh, but this is exciting. Like, okay, so we, we obviously we're pumping up the Philadelphia 76ers in terms of their Eastern Conference uh, title hopes now. Uh, we'll get to the, the Bucks who got as close as possible to running it back, although they traded Malcolm Brogdon in a sign-and-trade. But the Nets, this has to elevate them, and they've got to be excited about this too because I, I asked you about this when we did an earlier live show, like how much of an improvement is Kyrie Irving over D'Angelo Russell when you factor in the price point difference too, and you said significant. Yeah, that like price you, point. You don't care about the yeah, price man. point. You think he's that it's much better. Yeah, I think with Kyrie Irving, like there's been the talk recently, like do you want to sign Kyrie Irving if he doesn't bring Kevin Durant? Bring KD, it's like obviously you do it. But just looking at Kate, uh, Kyrie versus D'Angelo Russell in a vacuum, to me, Kyrie is still clearly the better investment for the Nets. Kyrie's still only 27, Russell's 23, so both of them could have their best years ahead of them. And if they are the same as they are today... Kyrie Irving has proven himself on the biggest stages in the biggest moments uh, throughout his career as an elite shooter from all ranges on the floor, a guy who can get to the rim when he wants to, sometimes not enough, but he can whenever he wants to. Whereas with D'Angelo Russell, he's an above average to good shooter who had a career best season on shooting mid-range pull-ups and floaters and a guy who doesn't get to the rim, who doesn't draw fouls because of his Average first step, doesn't have a lot of burst, and he's not an athletic, physical player around the rim. I mentioned the stat earlier to you, Gons, where of players that have attempted at least 18 shots per game in NBA history, Russell has the second lowest free throw rate of any of them. So he's a guy who, that was an issue for him in Ohio State. Yep. It's an issue today in the NBA. And the odds are, it's probably always going to be an issue. So when Russell's shot isn't falling, he doesn't have anything else that he can really fall back on. Whereas Kyrie... He can do anything on the basketball court. He's an upgrade. Then when you factor in Kevin Durant returning next year, whether he's 60% of his former self, 80%, or 100% of his former self, the Nets are going to be positioned to be one of the teams that is competing for championships moving forward. That's the loss for the Knicks, and it's a gain for the Nets. Does Kyrie uh, and everything that he brings, and then and then KD a year from now on one leg, frighten you? Like how how scared are you or the, of the uh, Nets right now? I mean, I'm I, I I'm as scared as the Nets as I am of a Kawhi with the Raptors of Giannis and Milwaukee. It's right. going to be a absolute rock fight in the it's Eastern awesome. Conference yeah. for the next five or six years uh, indefinitely. Like I don't know what it seems like. There's just a huge con- like these these teams are all micro super teams now. So the the thing that we were talking yeah. about in terms of what the Knicks were doing and you either choose, you're either contending or you're rebuilding and there's no in the middle. While I respect what Indiana is trying to do and even in a weird perverse way, what Orlando is even trying to do, which is like we're b- trying to build on the moderate success that we had last season it's and tough. hope that our young guys get better. Ultimately, I think you're just seeing five or six teams in each conference that are just like heavyweights. And this time around, next season, unless Kawhi goes to the Lakers, which I'm sure we'll wind up talking about next, (laughs) unless Kawhi goes to the Lakers, I just see a bunch of teams in the Eastern Conference where I'm like, man, pick them. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like let's get into a let's get into the semifinals of the Eastern Conference and see. Because when you start getting into Kyrie KD, a possible run it back in Toronto, Milwaukee with a year with with like a bloody lip, feeling like, okay, that's what it's like to lose. Now we come back. The Sixers with the way they're set up. 
it's it's like a fascinating a fascinating environment. Yeah, so I think that like uh, and like weird teams like Jimmy in Miami. You know what I mean? Like that that's those <laughs> little Jimmy in Miami. It's just you're right. Like there are these teams that I think that we immediately would think of, and then we forget about uh, what Indiana is doing. Or now Jimmy, what does Jimmy Butler mean mm-hmm. for Miami? And so like there there could be these really interesting hiccup teams that could throw, uh, you know little potholes in front of everybody. You mentioned the either go for it or or not go for it teams. The Lakers clearly established themselves as a go for it team when they won and got Anthony Davis. Then they clear $32 million in cap space. There's hopes for them that they'll end up signing Kawhi Leonard. But we don't know here, KOC. Like this is one, a, still an outstanding question, not just where Kawhi will go, but if he doesn't end up with the Lakers in LA, first of all, one of the LA teams is going to strike out here on Kawhi automatically, if not both of them. But let's just say it's the Lakers. They, they clear $32 million in cap space to go over after ostensibly a max money free agent. They Some people thought they might be better off just sprinkling that around to like some average to better than average. All gone now. All gone, right? So mm. like all of a sudden like we could even Garrett be, Temple's gone. We went, <laughs> we went from going... What the hell are the Lakers doing because they screwed up the details with the AD trade and they and they cost themselves extra money just yeah. by in terms of paperwork to people, that, a lot of people to yeah. clearing the 32 million and being like, "Oh, we're back in on Rob Palenka." Yeah. to now all of a sudden going, "Whoa, shit, what happens if they don't get one of these they're playing max heads money up guys?" Poker. They're playing heads and they're like standing over their pile of chips and they're like waiting for the like they're waiting for that next card to come because Kawhi's the card. Mm-hmm. And if they get Kawhi, it's all good. I mean, this is your take, man. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If if they get Kawhi Leonard, then great. They suddenly become the the new Heatles, the, the new Hamptons Five Warriors, mm-hmm. the team that everybody fears and is viewed as the inevitable NBA Finals champion. That's what they become if they get Kawhi Leonard. And if they don't, like they're gonna have to fill their guys with league minimum, you know, veterans, and that's it. They're gonna have to go for the Carmelo Anthony's of the world. They're gonna have to go for the Jared Dudleys and all those guys. And you know what? Like they can still fill out the roster with some of the remaining guys out there, a Robin Lopez type and all that. It's just not going to be the same as having Kawhi Leonard. But as you said, Chris, that's why they're going for that player. Ultimately, Kawhi Leonard is going to be the guy who determines what this league looks like. We just got done talking about how there's 10 teams. If there's five teams in the East, five teams in the West that have a legitimate shot at the finals. Well, if Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers, those teams have a chance. But that's certainly going to be diminished in the perception. Yeah, everything we know about basketball from 2010 on suggests that the Lakers exactly. would win the title. <laughs> exactly. And, and But if he doesn't, if he stays with the Raptors or goes to the Clippers, we're going to be looking at a league with like 10, 11, 12, maybe half the league where you can make an actual legitimate case. Hey, there's a shot. The that's Nuggets so win the nice. title. There's a chance the Blazers win and all. Hey, maybe the Pacers with their new look team the could jazz. do it. The Jazz. Like, oh, maybe if the Celtics trade their Memphis pick at the deadline, they can add a guy. Like, right. there's there's a shot. There's an argument for so and many that teams. Parity puts so much of like more of a spotlight on guys like Beal. Guys who are on those mediocre teams, you could see a little bit more of like a baseball style buyers and sellers situation. Where like if you're like, hey. Everything we know about what's going on right now suggests like Bradley Beal is going to be unhappy since. So now we are holding an auction for him. You know, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, there is like, do you, do you, you guys line up to the left and give us your best package. If you think Bradley Beal is the difference between a conference semis and a finals. A Kevin Love yeah, for right. Cleveland as well. Right. Yeah. Kevin Love is still out there too. All right. Let's take a quick break, get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll continue this conversation. 
Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by Google Fi. Doesn't it feel like most phone plans just weren't made with us in mind between bad coverage, paying too much for your data, you don't actually ever use, and crazy roaming charges? Google Fi is a phone plan by Google made with features that people like you and I actually want. Features like free international roaming, so you never have to worry about calling up your provider to let them know you'll be traveling, and three networks in one. So you can stay connected wherever you are, from your home to your office and everywhere in between. Google Fi works on your favorite smartphones, so you don't have to switch phones just to switch plans. In fact, it's as easy as just downloading the app, and you only have to pay for the data you use. Plus, with bill protection, if you ever do use a lot of data, your bill is capped at a reasonable amount. Learn more at fi.google.com. That's fi.google.com. Switch to Google Fi, a phone plan by Google. And now, back to Heat Check. I have another LA question for you. Just real quick, though, just to go back to the Brooklyn Nets. Woj reporting that uh, Kyrie and Durant took slightly less so that they could give four years and $40 million to DeAndre Jordan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not being funny. That li- literally feels like a gambling debt getting paid off. That like, is What a is lot. that about? Uh, Whoa. <laughs> I can't believe they committed DeAndre. that much time and money to DeAndre Whoa. Jordan. DeAndre was not good. No, man. he hasn't been for a couple of years wow. now. I mean, he's been in decline for sure. But as we've heard, KD's years. guy is DeAndre Jordan. So now they got to keep him around at least till KD gets back out there. So, so they had to pay him. Wow. So that's that's interesting. So while we're trying to process that, I, I have a question for you. As we're trying to figure Whoa, out, man. you know, what would happen with Kawhi and how Kawhi could shift the dynamics of the league again. Who would it be a bigger miss for? Because we we were just talking about the Knicks setting up with these two max slots and putting so much into the offseason and trying to get these guys and then striking out. And and Kevin made the point about why this could ultimately work out for them. But in the interim, in the short term, it's a miss. It's a blow for them to the point where they have to put out a statement. It's, it's a blow. Similarly, the Los Angeles Clippers were really positioned and may still be Isaac Lee, our producer, might still be to land Kawhi Leonard. But they put a lot of eggs into this free agency offseason where they're like, look, we're already a good team, right? Come play in LA. You could be with a better team than you'll get with the Lakers. We've got more flexibility. Our our front office is making really smart decisions. Which would be the bigger miss? Like if the Lakers don't sign Kawhi or if the Clippers miss out? I think the Lakers don't sign I think the Clippers Easily. are closer in the Knicks situation where it's just like we're in one of the two top media markets in the, in the country. Everybody wants to live here. Guys want to live here. We'll get one of our. We'll get one of these guys one of these years. But and now they know they have a really smart front office. They they seem to have figured out how to work this stuff. They can remain competitive and also keep cap flexibility. So uh, to me, the Clippers, if they miss out on Kawhi, it sucks. They 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 probably would like to have a do over on the like we're sending someone to watch Kawhi every single time he plays. <laughs> stories getting out. But they'll be fine, I think. Yeah, they, they're, again, like one of those teams that can build organically from the inside. They have one of the best young assets, best young players in the league in Shea Kildas Alexander. They have Montrez Harrell, who is a six-man-of-the-year candidate, alongside Lou Williams and Landry Shaman and Jerome Robinson. They yeah. have some good young players, and they retain flexibility moving forward. So the Clippers, no. Uh, I think for them, it's like Kawhi Leonard or, you know, insert other Max Free Agent is a guy that would have just accelerated everything for them. So but they can still build slow. I think that makes sense from an academic standpoint. Were I a Clippers fan, I would look at it and go, this was supposed to be the year where 
We were going to sign somebody. You're fine. And it was going to be Kawhi, but You're it's not fine. Kawhi. And it, we were, it was going to be KD, and it's not KD. And it was going to be Jimmy, and it's not Jimmy. And, oh, maybe Clay be interested. No, Clay's not interested. Like, I, like yes, you have those slots, and yes, you, like, you're already a good team, and you have cap flexibility, and it all makes sense from, like, a, like let's just pull back from 30,000 feet, and it's going to be good. But just as a, like— still the chip on the shoulder. I've spent enough time with with Isaac Lee to know there's still that chip on the shoulder, like little brother uh, to the Lakers' big brother aspect feeling where you go, ah, when is it going to be our turn to sign the big guy? 2020, 2021. I mean, Am I wrong here? Years. Turn your mic on. Tell me That's what you think. That's just sports fandom. <sighs> Am I wrong? Do you not feel that way? I, I definitely feel that way. I, I do feel like what makes it worse, like it doesn't matter about striking out. It matters if Kawhi goes to the Lakers. Because that means it's the yeah, but the they target. already have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Like, were you? Did you think you were gonna get to be the number one boy in in? Uh, yes, they want to be a in LA. Boy like they have LeBron and Anthony. You guys are gonna be the, the we're cousins for another couple of years. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, at least we'd be good if we had. You Kawhi. are good. You have <laughs> no. SGA and Shamit, and like that whole team is fine. It's fine. fine. It's not great. It's not. It's not contending. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's but not you're, on par. you should be happy that they didn't screw this up. Like in a, some ways, the this Sunday is the Such best thing that could have happened to the Clippers because the Clippers didn't you, blow buddy. all their money just like the Knicks did. Exactly, they yeah. didn't just like like oh we're, we didn't get this. Well, let's you, give let's give Boogie four years. Two seconds ago, you were just get, you were just doing the you're either all in or you're or you're all out, and they're the Clippers will be they're, they're they're, they might be the best out team there is. Yep. Well, so but but they want to be in. He wants to be in for once. He doesn't want to be out. Well, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so there you go. Screw off. And by Clippers the way, fans. like they're out, but they're but like they're still they were still in the playoffs. Last year, they still won a game against the Warriors, and Gilgis Alexander and some won, of these young guys are going to continue getting better. We won two games. Two games. Sorry, yeah, yeah they two games. Don't take away the extra game from them. But no, I could just feel like that would be somewhat of a disappointment, especially when and you mentioned that it's such a grab bag now, where you could go, oh man, for one. And by the way, I have been bitching about like how. Uh, bored I was by the Warriors' dominance for years. And now, finally, we've got a grab bag of teams where you could go, I for don't now. know <laughs> who's go For now, you're mm-hmm. right, you're right. Because if Kawhi, by the time you listen to this, if Kawhi ends up with the Lakers and all of a sudden we're handicapping that they'll be the, the team to beat next year. But for now, I like to look at this whole thing and go, oh man, what if the Jazz, maybe this is their year. Like the yeah. Nuggets who were a killer team last year that were like, Still young and up and coming, uh, and then you've got the Sixers and the Bucks and all these other teams. Like, this is a really interesting period, and yes. I think like being involved in that period where you a Clippers fan as opposed to being oh we're just even if be the Lakers do get good Kawhi, I do think that that basically is an extinction level event when I think about it. But they don't have it. That would only make four NBA players on that team, so that would have to be that you have they to need rely more on. Them either managing LeBron's minutes so that he's playing at peak condition throughout the playoffs, which is traditionally like how LeBron runs the season, but he didn't last year. Uh, Davis staying healthy and that chemistry experiment working out. So, I mean, I think that it's a probably a sure thing, but I would feel a little less confident in that than I did about the Warriors with Durant. The Warriors with Durant that first year. felt like they yeah. were basically making a gladiator into something bulletproof already. You know what I mean? Like they had like the ultimate fighting machine and they made it better. The Lakers is still feels like it's like, uh, (laughs) like we just won the lottery three times. How did that happen? You know, that, that's sort of like touches on what I'm writing about, you know, on the ringer for tomorrow. It's like this, this roster, they're not unbeatable. Like that warriors team that had Andre, Andre Godala and Sean Livingston and all these other guys that were still like really, really good players. The Lakers have a lot of work to do. Uh, it's just the perception will be that, Oh, 
it's inevitable that they win, but it's really not. Like they still have a lot of work to do to to find to find out the, the the edges of that roster, find guys who are actually quality guys that can that are deserving of minutes in the playoffs. And there's no guarantees that they're able to find those players because um, it's slim pickings at this point. Like there's still some good free agents. Like Danny Green is still out there. Mm-hmm. There's still some good free He's agents. He's apparently but, waiting to find out what happens to Kawhi. But you're not getting Danny Green. If you're signing Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. because he's not signing for a league minimum. Yeah, it's a tough spot for them if they do go that way, but I think you're right. It's an ex- extinction-level event. If you can get him, you get him, and you worry yeah. about the rest of it yeah, later. We just saw him single-handedly win the NBA Finals. Um, like, I think that we, everybody would be really scared if he wound up in the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do we want to go through some of the other teams and, and talk about the Bucs and the—yeah, keep going? All right, so uh, the Bucs— the Bucks bring back Brooke Lopez. The Bucks bring back Chris Middleton. The Bucks do not bring back Malcolm Brogdon. They end up uh, in a sign and trade with Malcolm Brogdon, where it feels a little bit like uh, maybe they were trying to save a couple dollars on that one. Um, they would have had to dip into the luxury tax on that. Uh, the Indiana Pacers end up with Malcolm Brogdon, which you and I both like Malcolm Brogdon quite a bit. I love Malcolm Brogdon. How do you feel about the the Bucks just not matching the offer sheet? It's a it's a loss for them for sure. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, when you consider the the pick and roll presence he is for that team, the shooting presence that he is, the versatile defender that he is, and we talked earlier about like the Sixers fit in terms of unselfish guys who accept their roles. That's what Malcolm Brogdon is next to a superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo. With that said, Milwaukee was able to, re- to retain Brook Lopez yep. and Chris Middleton. And they got back George Hill as well. So they still are one of the premier teams in the Eastern Conference and in the entire NBA. Um, but there's no doubt that Malcolm Brogdon is a loss. And like him adding him to this Indiana Pacers core, um, you know, they they Pacers they, are an interesting they, team. They, I know that we kind of like wrote one of those them teams. Off, but they're you're getting Oladipo teams. back. Without Oladipo, yes, uh, they were underwater a little bit, but they still stayed in that three, four, five mix for much. I know you're like blowing it off. I'm not but blowing you get, it off, but I, I, I they're great, but the the Pacers are a five seed. Like this, this is like the they're East Coast fun, is like, like throw them into the mix. And sure, like throw they them can, in the mix. Well, they're they one can, of those teams that you can make a case. Yeah, for. you can definitely. Make I mean, case. if Turner stays this as good as he was last year, and Sabonis gets better, and Oladipo comes back healthy, Brogdon's an upgrade. Like so I think they're fine. They lose Bogdanovich, who goes to the Jazz. Talk about the Jazz in a second. They lose Darren Collison, who decided out of out of nowhere to retire. Uh, from the NBA, they get Brogdon, they get Jeremy Lamb, and they get TJ Warren. Lamb on a three for three years for thirty-one point five. You know, we talked earlier uh, in an earlier live show about Turner or Sabonis. Maybe they flip one of those guys. It's potential because they they do sort of complement each other in an odd way. Because you know, Sabonis obviously a much more and better. Uh, a much more efficient and better offensive player, and then Turner, you're going to get better defensive numbers from them. But they have a, n- a number of pieces there where they could be like a speed bump for all these teams that think they're going to cruise sure. in the Eastern I, Conference. I mean, I, the the best possible version of the team that silently made themselves a lot better are now in comparison to the way everything else unfolded over free agency, the team I I think that is like a real threat is Utah. Yeah. They just apparently picked up Ed Davis as well. So they got Ed Davis. They they go and and, uh, take Bojan Bogdanovic away from the Indiana Pacers. Pacers were hoping to bring him back. There's a lot of uh, talk about maybe the Lakers targeting him. Uh, Now he goes to the Jazz. And the Jazz really went from a team that was already very good and like had a chance in the Western Conference to when you add Mike Connolly as an upgrade over Ricky Rubio at both ends of the floor, uh, and then you've got Bogdanovich, who can be that offensive spark that they clearly needed last year. I think like when Donovan Mitchell's shot wasn't falling, and you've got 
you know, you've got Ingles and Ingles is great, but Ingles can only do so much. Like you really need some offense there. And I think offensively, they really upgraded without losing much defensively. I love Utah, man. Like to me, like they're if Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers, they are they are arguably the finals favorites in the Western Conference, and like that might be ridiculous to say um, over a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But when you consider the the top end talent that they have and the amount of quality depth players that they have, Utah is a team that can play so many different styles. Yeah, they like all, they're dizzying. All, they four yeah. four guys on that offense can all run the offense, run pick and roll, or can spot up and play off ball. And for Mitchell, Mike Conley alone would have made a, a significant positive yeah. impact on him, pushing Mitchell off ball, someone who can create shots for him uh, as a cutter, as a spot-up shooter. Never mind the fact that Conley can can also play off ball too, off of Mitchell. And now you add Bogdanovich to that, a backup room protector, and Ed Davis as well. Yeah, they got deep all They, of a they are a deep, deep team Angles, with yeah. star yeah. power too. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Jazz. Quinn Snyder, like he must be just like up Super all night excited. thinking of ideas, like how to how to integrate this offense, all these per- this personnel together. It's gonna be fun to watch that team yeah. this season. Jazz go to the uh, front of the league pass list. Uh, what about some teams that like we're not sure about? Like where does this leave the Boston Celtics? They go and they get uh, Kemba to replace. Kyrie, but they also lose Al Horford. They they don't really have a big right now. They're going to have to play a lot of small lineups. Uh, I think that they, you know, they had also sort of set themselves up for this offseason and uh, this draft where they had those four picks that they thought maybe they could turn into to somebody. They a lot of people thought that they're going to be in on the AD sweepstakes. They miss out on that. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's sort of like reboot on the fly. But a lot of other teams it feels like have uh, overtaken them. Yeah, with Boston. <laughs> Boy, like, like, it, it's gonna it's gonna be really really interesting to see which direction they turn to find a big. Like we just got done talking about Philadelphia's size, Indiana. They don't need to trade Sabonis or Turner. They can have that two big lineup. Like that might be the way you have to play to win in the Eastern Conference. Giannis and the Bucks with Brooke Lopez. That is another big team. You need size. Small ball is a lie. It's a myth. It has been for a long time, and we know that now with the way teams are building that are on the rise and in the NBA. Something about so, the Boston recent history, though, makes me feel incredibly confident that they'll just find a scrap heap guy that they turn into. Robin like, Lopez com- on the on the roommate yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, like, Baines and Thice weren't, <laughs> yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, like, all of a sudden, I mean, I know that the Baines got traded, but, like, I feel like they either, whether it's Robert Williams or whoever, I know that guy can't, like, show up to lunch on time, but, like, <laughs> they, they will find someone to take up minutes. They will not have Al Horford uh, impact. But I think that Boston's going to be fine. It's going to kind of be like a throwback to the Boston, the Isaiah Thomas era Boston. You wrote about this today. I mean, Kemba is not unlike, it's closer to Thomas than it is Kyrie, right? Hor- Horford enhanced Isaiah Thomas in so many ways, yeah. though. Like Horford's playmaking ability, his screening, his shooting ability. Horford is what really energized Isaiah Thomas on the offensive end of the floor. And then on defense, obviously, Horford is a stud, especially he was in his prime just a couple years ago. Still very good now. So for Boston, it's like, Either you change the way the big man position is on your roster, you have more of a rim running presence, which is interesting because, you know, back when I first, you know, started writing and I covered the Celtics exclusively, um, Brad Stevens said that that's the type of offense he wants is a rim running five. Mm -hmm. And maybe it doesn't matter what he wants. It's about what the front office puts on the table for him to work with. But Brad himself has said that he prefers a rim running five, a lob guy. So maybe Robert Williams will be that for him. I don't trust that Robert Williams can stay on the floor. Could they for, still be in the more Capella? Than 15, 20. Could they go for Capella? 
Um, it would be difficult. You would have to trade Marcus Smart in yeah. a trade, and I'm not. I'm not so sure for Houston that would make total sense either, because like they're one of the losers in this Jimmy Houston's Butler sweepstakes as well. Like yeah. they they were one supposed to be one of the teams going for. It's a weird to trade imagine that they couldn't. If you were if you were Elton, would you rather get Josh Richardson or Eric Gordon? Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty. So easily. I guess it. I guess it's the, the Houston just didn't have the package, but I guess they couldn't. Or clear it's a the better space. contract. He's a more versatile player. He's or, younger. Or Butler just didn't want Houston. Yeah, and that, that too. Just, that's like, possible you know. too. I mean, that was the, the wildest thing about the Butler thing is that the wildest element to this Butler story was the waves of certainty about different destinations. Yeah, it was like Houston, Houston. He's from Houston. He wants to go play with Chris Paul and James Harden. Houston's working really hard to clear cap space, and mm-hmm. you know they'll do a sign and trade with the Sixers, or they'll trade Tucker, Capella, and Gordon individually to make the room, and they'll they'll force the hand. And then we woke up today, and it was Miami. And by the end of the day, it was Miami. So it's pretty interesting, and and just this whole wrinkle of not not offering the fifth the five years and offering sounds like they didn't even offer him a deal, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, how much do you buy the, hey, they never wanted him, they were going to move on? No, anyway. I know, but like, I, it, it seemed like Jimmy Butler had been pretty clear about wanting to be a max player. And the Sixers, yeah. like, could have shown him that appreciation. It, could have. Not to bring it all the way back to Butler, but I was just thinking about how, yeah, Houston's a loser in this situation. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets. Hornets fall into the loser category. I mean, the three years and $58 million for Terry Rozier, uh, according to Shams, guaranteed. Initially, mm. when that deal came down, uh, KOC and I looked at each other and, and you were like, that back end can't be guaranteed. And evidently, as reported currently, it is, which feels like, what the hell are the Charlotte Hornets doing? Oh, boy. I mean, that's been the question for them this whole decade. Yeah. Though, hasn't it? Like with the contracts that they've handed out, Nick Batum uh, being one of the big ones after he had a good season, but not a season worth $25 million annually. And with Rozier, look, like I like Rozier. He's a solid player, but $20 million annually for him uh, feels like a it's lot. A lot, lot right? It's it's a like, look, it would be one thing if it were a one or two year deal, but three years, man, like that's a long time to commit to Rozier when he has not proven a lot over the full duration of a season with the Celtics, which has been a pretty good circumstances for him, you know, as a young player coming in with Brad Stevens. Like Rozier in the draft, I didn't love him as a prospect because I worried about his decision making, his at room finishing, and his shooting ability. With Boston, he was in a team it, in a situation that should have been good for those qualities for his development. It hasn't happened for him. And now with Charlotte, where he's going to be able to chuck up shots, like it could be disastrous, but maybe for Charlotte, that's not the worst thing in the world. If you want to lose games, tank, get high draft picks and rebuild again. Charlotte, like the way that they problem is, is they don't hit on their draft picks. They They don't hit on their draft picks. picks. And also, by the way, the contracts that they've headed out, I mean, Terry Rozier is just another in a long line of what kind of contract are you paying here? Because you've got uh, just next year alone, MKG at 13 million, Cody Zeller at 14 and change, Marvin Williams at 15, Marvin Bismack like, Biombo at kill, 17. We can't like be like New York's brilliant because they're setting themselves up for 2021 and then kill Charlotte when their contracts are all coming off the books. Now, New York's but drafted better than Charlotte, but Charlotte is the reason I'm not a GM. Because like everybody, Charlotte picks him. Like yeah, yeah, love Malik, Malik Monk. Monk. Yeah, love Miles Bridges' game. Love, I loved MKG. I, don't I know mean, what to say. I, I, I mean, loved Nick Batum yeah. too. They're paying Nick Batum twenty five five next I know, year. I know, and I get what you're saying about those contracts eventually coming off. But the same guy, like before they could come off, they first had to get signed to them, and the same guys are gonna like 
go and figure out, plot their course for the for the next couple of years. I mean, like I have no faith in exactly what you said. For how how long now have you looked at the Hornets and gone, what the hell are the Hornets doing? And I just I just don't have much faith that all of a sudden they're going to figure it out. You know, I think you look at certain teams in the league, like when they either lose a guy or there's a guy that moves moves teams. Some teams are able to take advantage of that. Uh, Charlotte, in this case, I don't think they did. And, and Rozier, he's a solid player, an okay guy to, to bet on, but not for the value. To me, one of the more interesting additions of the day was Goran Dragic going to the Dallas Mavericks. Sure. Uh, they were able to benefit from that trade, adding a guy who has an expiring $19 million salary. And I think he's going to be able to alleviate some of the pressure off of Luka Doncic this coming season. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Luka coexisting with another ball handler that on that team which could be a good thing for his development. Uh, so I, I, for Dallas, like this is good for Luka to have another ball handler in Drogic. And I think for, for Luka long-term, we're going to see how it might look with him coexisting with another ball handler, which is the ideal fit. It can't just be all Luka, yeah. James yeah. Harden style. Yeah. He needs another guy. So this is a good way to start training that over time. Uh, a couple more moves and then we'll wrap it up because uh, you got to write and I got to write and you've got 47 other things to do. You got to edit me. Uh, Phoenix Suns, Ricky Rubio, three years, 51 million. Uh, Feel bad for Rubio. Keep in mind that you're on the Heat Check podcast, and we generally do not disparage Rick Rubio on this. Uh, go ahead and make your case against it. You hate like, it. I, for you Fe- hate it. I don't hate it. It's just for Phoenix, it just feels like you're settling. Uh, I think with Devin Booker, like it's a good thing that you have another ball handler who can push Booker off ball because now like people are going to stop complaining about him being an on a ball hog. Booker is a guy who in college and in high school thrived uh, off the ball as a spot up shooter going off screens and handoffs. You're going to see more of that with Rubio. With that said, Booker's still a guy who has been somebody who has become potent on the ball. And Rubio is not somebody who effectively spaces the floor. Rubio has declined in the defensive end of the floor. So to me, it feels like this is Phoenix doing the utter opposite of what we talked about with a team like the Knicks just signing a two-year deal. Some of these other teams just committing a lot of money and a lot of years to Rubio where like he's not the guy to me that you want to build around with Booker long term. Yeah, he's, he's stabilizing. I think he'll make those younger players better. I feel bad because he's like one of my favorite. He is one of my favorite players. I and love watching him I play. I would have loved to have seen him in a more potentially winning situation. A lot of people expected him to go to Indiana. Yeah. Like that and was, it looks yeah, like Indiana got win. Brogdon fumes and, and Much went better. for it. Brogdon's a better, a better player for sure. Uh, Portland gives... But I would have loved to have seen Ricky in Dallas. You know what I mean? Or Ricky in... I don't know. I mean... To pick, take your pick, Miami. I would have loved to see him play for one of the LA teams. Like it, it just would have been cool to see him in, in playing more playoff basketball. Not going to do that in Phoenix. Uh, Godspeed to Rick Rubio in Portland. They give Dame Lillard the supermax bet extension. They bring back Rodney Hood for two years and sixteen. Orlando Magic really liked making the postseason. They bring back Terrence Ross, Vucevic. They sign Aminu. Uh, still probably a back end of the Eastern Conference team. Those teams feel very. I don't obviously Portland's way better than Orlando. I hope Portland doesn't regret doing what they're doing here by like by like doubling status quo. Let's just go. I mean, I think that they probably see an opening. They got to the conference finals, although I think that that was a little bit of a fluke in seeding. But you know, I mean, like they they are they they are a move away from being a really serious finalist contender. I just don't know that the moves were Hood and Bazemore. This is Uh, I I feel like. What do you think? Oh, I I was just gonna say something else. Mark Stein also reported the Mavericks are getting Kelly Olynyk and Derek Jones as part of the Jimmy Butler okay. sign and trade. Okay. Well, everybody's uh, everybody's clearing decks 
the Heat are doing Heat things. Uh, the Mavericks are acquiring more people. The Orlando Magic really like their team. And uh, the New Orleans Pelicans will end on this one. New Orleans Pelicans steal J.J. Reddick, uh, Ringer podcaster favorite and former Sixer away Every, for two years in 26.5. Everything that New Orleans 5. does feels right. It's been a fun like turnaround yeah. for New Orleans and a quick one. Like really rapidly went from last year where even with Anthony Davis, uh, we pretty much all felt like they weren't going anywhere and then Anthony Davis wants out and they were a tough watch. And now they have rebooted and immediately moved to the top of my league pass rankings <laughs> and just feel like they're going to be a really fun team. But beyond that, as you mentioned, David Griffin is pulling levers here, and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like he's made a mistake yet. I mean, all of these feel right and good, and they're set up for the future. But in the interim, they could be a really interesting team. I love what they're doing, man. I think David Griffin, like, he's not going to win executive of the year because rebuilding teams, uh, general managers never, never do. Uh, but yeah. with that said, like, he should be in the conversation for it with the, it's yeah. not just Zion here. They just didn't get lucky with that. It was the AD trade and everything that followed. You consider their young core. Like, this is a team Alvin Gentry is going to have them playing fast with multiple ball handlers, but they needed shooting. So you get one of the greatest shooters ever in J.J. Redick. The Pelicans, if Zion Williamson is good as a rookie, which I think he will be, they're going to be a team that's like in the conversation to make the 7 or 8 seed in the West. I don't think they'll make it. I think they'll be a team that's good all year, but just ends up falling a little short. But they're going to be right there. Also, J.J. has stepped into this situation before. So while it's like a little bit odd because like a lot of what we had always understood about JJ was that he just really wanted to stay in the Northeast and be near where his kids were going to school and stuff like in Brooklyn. I think he did, ultimately. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I thought that, I think that this will not be an unfamiliar situation to go in and be the safe pair of hands in a young locker room of emerging stars. Yeah, he's That's exactly seen what he did with the Sixers. He legitimized the Sixers in some ways. And uh, we mentioned this earlier, he's never missed the playoffs before. So you never know. I mean, it's a, it's a, team that's on the common. It's a young team, but uh, JJ's been in good spots before. All right, uh, you're going to go right. Thank you to Kevin O'Connor. Thank you to Isaac Lee for producing this. Thank you to Chris Ryan for jumping on with us. Thank you to all of you for listening and watching us on YouTube. Uh, NBA free agency is underway, <laughs> gang. There's still more to happen. The mismatch is going to be coming at you this week with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. We've got Corner 3. We've got Group Chat. We've got a ton of content on the ringer.com that you don't want to uh, miss. Summer League is coming at you. Uh, the NBA never stops. It's been fun. Thanks for listening, gang. Bye, Bye. guys.